Welcome to Live on Purpose Radio with Dr. Paul Jenkins, where you will hear inspiring stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Feed your mind with a regular dose of positive energy and show up for your life every day on purpose. Living on purpose means that you have a purpose and you do it intentionally. And now, here's your host, Dr. Paul. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Live on Purpose Radio. This is Dr. Paul, the shrink who expands your life with another episode of Live on Purpose Radio. And joining me today is Maureen Metcalf. Maureen is the founder, CEO, and board chair of the Innovative Leadership Institute. She's a highly sought-after expert in anticipating and leveraging future business trends to transform organizations. And I think her passion is all about elevating the quality of leadership so that we can collectively create a better world one that we all would love to live in. Maureen, welcome to the show today. Thank you, Dr. Paul. It's really an honor to be your guest and to be included in your your highly impactful work in the world. Well, I am honored to have you here, and I'm excited to have a conversation with you about leadership, which is an often misunderstood concept. Um, and, and maybe it's not the concept so much that's misunderstood as how do we become great leaders? What is it that leaders do? And you've got enough experience in this area through your years of, of working in the industry and, and mm-hmm. noticing what works and what doesn't work and maybe some of the characteristics of great leaders. Could you share with us right up front here, Maureen, just some of what your journey has been. How did you get here and why should we listen to you? Um, Why should you listen to me? (laughs) Uh, I can spout credentials. So I have um, published nine books uh, in the field of leadership, all winning international book awards for things like best business reference books. So you will probably not read these while on the beach. Um, Um, Or you may choose it on vacation, but it's not in the light reading category. They're business reference books. Um, Mm -hmm. They're used in graduate programs around the world. Uh, You know, one of my um, fond moments is a colleague of mine from Accenture who said, I just started a graduate program and our first textbook is your book. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I am have been teaching in graduate programs for over two decades, which ages me a little bit. Our focus is innovating how you lead. So it is about not doing the same things that our grandparents did that we considered good, but that as the world gets more complex and we're, we're looking at things like half of the population being impacted by robotic process automation and artificial intelligence, half of the working population, by a significant portion. How I lead employees when the routine tasks have been automated and the work they do is very different than what I did when I started my career a few decades ago. Right. So part of my message is Certainly what we do matters, how we do it matters, because there are are long-term implications for our short-term behaviors, and those are becoming more more apparent. The other is in an interconnected world, what I do, I live in Columbus, Ohio, what I do here is 
impacting people across the planet, which isn't egotistical. It is the reality that many of us take small decisions each day and someone is impacted somewhere across the globe that we'll never see. But it could be our buying decisions. It could be our leadership decisions. Everything I do now touches beyond my community where what my parents did and my grandparents did really impacted their little farming community and not much around the world. This is something that caught my attention, Maureen, about your work because you have developed an appreciation for a greater definition of community. Mm. I, and I think there's far too much us and them you know, you hear sometimes in the business industries about uh, the good old boys network mm-hmm. or, you know, these tighter circles of of community that with our information age and the speed at which we can communicate with someone on the other side of the planet, those communities have to expand. And I think our, mm-hmm. our ideas about leadership need to change right along with those. I'm just hearing what you're saying about that. It's not the world that our grandparents had. Thank you. I absolutely agree. I think, you know, the way our brains operate, we still form small circles of trust with people who I'll say look like us. And that may not be physiologically. So I run a CEO group locally and there is value in people who've been working together and facing similar issues over decades. They've built a a level of trust. And yet at any moment, any one of those people could be somewhere on the planet. So one runs a chemical company and he um, won't be attending the session tonight because he's traveled. Actually, probably about a third of them are traveling Mm -hmm. and some will be out of the country at any given month where we're meeting. Right. And the way we operate in that kind of an environment matters. In fact, this is something I love about what you're doing, Maureen. The how actually matters, how we get there. Mm-hmm. I think in the, in the old way of thinking or in some of the, the more dysfunctional ways of thinking about leadership, it's that you do whatever you need to to get to the top. Well, and, and imagine now in, in, in an age where, electri- where we have technology, we, the NSA probably, but there is technology to track the NSA and Google, um, tracks everything people do. So getting away with a crime is less plausible. So we look at the Bernie Madoffs and the Enrons and... Um, whether they were just caught up short trying to meet their financial commitments to the mark uh, to the street, mm-hmm. or whether they were truly terrible people. Again, it's not my place. I don't know any of these people personally, but they committed any number of crimes to deliver financial results, and the outcome was not enough, but criminal charges for misbehavior. Right. As, as we accelerate through the technological age, I think the ways people cheat will change. Mm-hmm. Some of the old windows will close and it's less 
possible. But now we're looking at things like um, ransomware, people somewhere, um, presumably non-extradition countries, um, are ransoming our hospital systems and our 911 operations. So, so how we make money and how we treat one another does, and I, I don't mean to sound airy fairy about this, but it does impact how I feel when I come to work. It impacts everything about my experience because if I'm working with people with, with whom I have a trusting, positive relationship, I'll be more engaged, I'll be more productive, I'll do better work for my clients. If I'm working in an environment where I know that my colleagues cheat other people and, and they cheat on their spouses and they do all these other things, then how could I possibly have a trusting relationship with them knowing that they'll cheat me too? when it serves them. This is why the how matters. Yeah. How we operate as a leader. Mm -hmm. and basically as a decent human being. And, and I heard in what you were sharing there, Maureen, that we're not here to judge, you know, pronounce some moral judgment on, on leaders, but leaders are in a position where it really does matter how they operate from, from their own character and integrity and, and morality without defining what that is. I think people know what it is when they interact with you. They do. And it's interesting, again, some of the brain science, we walk into a room and have a visceral sense of trustworthiness of people. Yeah. So I met, so you and I met on Zoom and you have an essence of trustworthiness. There were other people who might talk about the same things, but immediately there's something in their tone, there's something in their behavior that even though they say the right words, I would not want to have a deeper professional relationship with them because I don't feel... And again, not the airy fairy thing, but mm -hmm. our our physiology is tuned to survive. And people who don't feel trustworthy, we should probably examine more closely. There's some reason why it's triggering that reaction. Yeah. And, and we often don't have the data, but this is back right. to someone who is inherently untrustworthy. They'll be more closed in their mannerisms. They'll be more um, probably aware of their environment. And these are little micro cues that I haven't studied. So I don't know, like I'm not paying attention to how often you blink. Yeah. Um, but, but many of us, even absent any training, can feel in our body, this doesn't feel good. You've used the phrase airy-fairy a couple of times. And, and I get accused sometimes, Maureen, of of teaching the soft um, skills, mm -hmm. you know, the, the more subtle or human-based skill sets and personality characteristics that are absolutely essential to effective leadership or even to maintaining healthy relationships for that matter. 
And I, I would love to pull that down from the airy fairy or the soft skills mentality that we've had in the past to, to really acknowledge that this is what creates effective leaders. And I use airy fairy to, to distinguish um, interpersonal skills. I, mm -hmm. I know the term is called soft skills. They're actually hard. Uh -huh. <laughs> They're yeah. not easy. They may not be as tangible as I built a car, but right. as I look at my students who, who uh, like I'll teach engineers often, and um, they take my uh, MBA class because they think it's going to be easier than an engineering course. And <laughs> technically, it is easier, right? They're not doing math problems. But when they have to be introspective and evaluate who they are and how they interact with people, that is often more emotionally difficult than math. Math is math, right? right. You get it right, you get it wrong. How I dealt with my colleague or my spouse or my family member and the implications that has on our long-term relationship, absolutely foundational. So, and, and the yeah. brain science behind it supports that things that we used to think were soft, like how I react to someone when I walk in a room, mm -hmm. it is actually now supported very much by science. It's not, um, I'm not carrying a bag of crystals in my pocket and therefore I'm okay. It's, yes. it's science. And that's where I say airy-fairy that often people will hear this like, oh, wouldn't it be nice if we all get along? I'm not delusional i'm talking about the scientific basis behind how humans as physiological beings operate and the, yes. and how we behave and how then the things you got a phd in there is science behind it that's the phd right you did right. solid research it's not made up stuff in a bar on a napkin while we're having cocktails and although it may be intuitive to some people, it's, it's based in some observable patterns and things that we've been able to measure. Thankfully, I agree, Maureen, I, I'm grateful that the research bears out what we've been feeling in our gut mm -hmm. all along. As we come back from this break, I would love to get into some of the, the specifics that you've learned through your experience about what effective leaders do and how they do it. Would that right, be all right? Let's, uh, let's get into that right after we come back from this break. Folks, this is Maureen Metcalf at Live On Purpose Radio, and we'll be right back. Are you ready to take your positivity to a whole new level? I've been enjoying these conversations with my guests at Live On Purpose Radio. My own story about becoming more positive is something that I've shared in my book, Pathological Positivity. And right now, I'm giving the book away. You just pay for the shipping. Go to drpauljenkins.com, spelled with a D-R, and click on the big orange button right there that will get you a free copy of my book. You pay the shipping, I'll pay for the book. Sound like a good deal? Power up your positivity and get ready to see phenomenal changes in your happiness, your relationships, your business, 
every aspect of life. Enjoy this free gift from me, drpauljenkins.com. And we're back. Maureen Metcalf at Live On Purpose Radio. Maureen, I'm loving this conversation. Sometimes when I, when I interview people about leadership, it becomes, I don't know, a, a little structured for my taste. Mm-hmm. Because I think that the, the subtleties of what it takes to be an effective leader are not necessarily the kinds of things that you can say, well, here's your checklist, do these things and you'll be fine. I think it's really more about who we are. It is. And it is also, so it's the mindset that, um, how we make sense of the world. And I would say also any of those behaviors are paradoxical. So here's an example. We talk about humility. So underdone, I demonstrate the the behaviors of it's all about me and I want to get credit and I take credit from other people for things they've done. Uh-huh. Overdone, I give credit for everything I've accomplished, but I've, I, so I coach executives and I worked with someone recently and tending to be more this quality associated more with women. If I work hard and I do the right thing, I'll, I'll be recognized. This person was, in fact, being seen as an underperformer because the things she had worked so hard to do, she was not being recognized for. So the question is, why am I paying a big salary for you when your team does all the work? Well, in fact, she was individually contributing to a great deal of the work and being an effective leader at the same time. There's a balance there. Yes, and a, it's it's almost paradoxical. Some people think that humility means that we throw ourselves under the bus or that we completely diminish our contribution. It, it feels more to me like humility is an accurate representation of who we are and how we show up and what we contribute. So here's another example, and I absolutely agree. I'll do 360 assessments, and often people will undervalue themselves and their contribution. If I'm undervaluing myself, I'm not stepping into situations that I could appropriately contribute to. Yes. So I am actually contributing less to the organization and the mission than I am able to because I'm not seeing myself accurately. And right. That's, that's a fail. Humility isn't helpful if I under-contribute because I don't own my capabilities. So humility is one of these things. We, we talked before the break about let's get practical. Let's jump in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What effective leaders do and how they do it. And this is one of them, the humility. It is. So it's seeing myself accurately and also putting the organization's needs above my own. So my biggest commitment as a leader, my fiduciary responsibility, as it were, is to deliver on the promises of the organization to its stakeholders. Wow. 
I, we we probably don't want to march down this <laughs> path, Maureen, but I'm thinking, wow, we elect political leaders. Leaders. Yeah, both sides. What if we could do that, you know, as leaders in our communities, in the government, um, as well as in our businesses or even in our families? So I, I was teaching during an election several election cycles ago um, in an MBA program, and I was teaching leadership. And it's interesting because people don't have a clear view of what an effective leader is, that we choose people who put personal, so humility is one of them. If I, people will often inappropriately define humility. So we look to leaders who have the old charismatic leadership quality. If you're mm -hmm. big ego, big charisma, you must be a good leader. When in fact, we underappreciate people who are humble and more willing to collaborate in a world where now collaboration is foundational to success. Right. So we our view has not been updated as our world changes. I have a colleague who wrote a book called Partnership is the New Leadership. And I think Ty Bennett understands this because he, he knows that we need to work together really to, I, I like the word you used earlier about collaboration and how we collaboratively create the world mm -hmm. that we're going to live in. It, 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 and so that's one of our seven leader behaviors. So as we listen to the language of our elected officials and, and how often they claim, I, I killed a terrorist. I stopped a war. I won a war. It, unless you were in a plane shooting at something, you didn't kill a terrorist. <laughs> <laughs> right? That killed right. means used an implement to end a life. A and that is not happening from a situation. I mean, it is also happening from a situation room. But how much do our leaders say, I did versus we did? Our right. SEAL team did, or my community action group did, or my finance department did. Mm -hmm. I just thought of another great example. I have a, a friend, Brad Barton. He's an author and a speaker who also holds a world record for running the mile as, as an old guy. He's my age. Really? And he said this just a few years ago, and as he, as he won that very prestigious distinction, his words were, we did it. And he was referring to his team and his sponsors and his family and his coach. And even though it was his body out there pushing that limit, um, he acknowledged openly that he couldn't have done it himself. And, and I think that's true of any great accomplishment. We are collectively creating that. And, and so then coming back to, I, I, I absolutely agree, coming back to our earlier conversation, in an interconnected world, I as an individual don't do much by myself. True. I, yeah. I may be sitting alone working on something, but I'm working on creating a course that's Posted in a platform by somebody. I'm drawing on someone's research. I'm um, collaborating with my business manager who's helping me make sure it makes sense. I use the Grammarly program to make sure I don't sound 
completely inept in the English language. I mean, there is nothing I do that is truly solo. And you're doing all of this in a building you did not build, sitting on a chair you did not fabricate, using a computer that literally thousands of people innovated. From around the world. Exactly. Yeah, my guess is having worked in the computer industry, nothing is made in a country. It's not all made in China or Taiwan or um, the Philippines and certainly not all made in the U.S. Nor will it probably ever come back to being made in any individual country. You know, I'm loving this conversation. You mentioned that there are seven behaviors that, that leaders do. And I know we don't have time to get into all of them. What's another of, of one of your favorites of these seven? What sticks out for you? You know, I'm going to give two because they're different ends of the spectrum. Beautiful. Unwavering commitment to right action. So this is back to the how. I will choose to do what's right over looking good, getting credit, getting the next bonus. And this is hard. Right. There are times that people outsource themselves. This is not an easy thing to do. And the companion to that is 360 degree thinker. So I am a systemic thinker. So I understand the implications of what I do across a system. So there's the hardcore. I I think and make appropriate back to right action. I I am a complex thinker, and I make decisions that are right for the enterprise. This commitment that you're talking about, an unwavering commitment is the way you said it, Mm -hmm. to right action. This is an area where um, I think we, we go back to something that you mentioned earlier about how we have this gut feel. You can walk into a room and you can tell someone's trustworthiness. And I know there's a lot of debates out there about, well, what's right? And it it feels to me like we have a sense of what's right, kind of a natural knowing about that. Would you agree? And, And that's where the 360 degree thinker comes in. So one, I'm committed to doing what I believe is right. And what I believe is right and what you believe are right may be different. But it starts with, I am intellectually curious, which is another one of them. I'm a deep thinker, so, and I'm authentic and reflective. So I don't decide what's right based on what um, my parents taught me, my teacher tells me, my colleagues tell me. I think for myself, I, I will take their input into consideration. And I think through what I hear, and I make the decision that I believe is fundamentally right based on my algorithm of values and belief system. I, I'm, I'm capturing this as a, a way that we can give up our need to be right all the time and, and focus on what's right, not who's right. It feels like a lot of the noise that we hear mm-hmm. in the media or uh, around politics or whatever, it, it comes down to who's right instead of what's right. 
So that, let's then add into that the collaboration piece. So we look at the U.S. politics right now, and there there are two sides, um, fairly polarized. Yeah. If, if you got in a room with people you respect who see the world differently, which is what our democracy is about, likely if you are intellectually curious, authentic and reflective, and a 360-degree thinker, you're going to walk into a room dealing with the issue of poverty or how do we retrain people when automation takes jobs? Uh, Big questions. Uh, You're going to walk in with a point of view because you're a smart, um, intellectually um, robust person, but you're going to listen to different people in the room and you will shift slightly or dramatically your solution to the problem. That's the kind of thinking. So I'm a deep thinker. I have a point of view and I'm willing to learn through every interaction to improve what I'm thinking. It doesn't mean I was wrong. It means right. I'm building on because I'm smart. Smart enough to collaborate. Yeah. And, and- and willing to not need to be the smartest person in the room. In fact, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're probably hanging out in the wrong room. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Maureen, you've got me thinking, which is why I love these kinds of conversations mm-hmm. and, and what you're doing. How can our listeners find you or connect with you? I know you've got a, uh, an institute, the Innovative Leadership Institute. Uh, that's the name of the website too, right? It is. It's www.innovativeleadershipinstitute.com. So easy to find. We do a weekly blog. We also do podcasts. So there is a, one of my commitments is to put as much positive, valuable information into the world as I can. So irrespective of all of the silliness that's going on, my commitment to myself to right action is to make good information accessible to everyone, no matter socioeconomic background or anything else. It's all free on the website. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you. Uh, This is Maureen Metcalf. The website is Mm innovativeleadershipinstitute.com. And that's where our listeners can connect to the podcast that the abundant positive information that you're putting out there especially as it relates to leadership and who we are as leaders thank you maureen for your contributions today at live on purpose radio thank you so much dr paul and to your listeners for who invested their time today Mm. it is truly the privilege of the platform and the honor of having mike we're so glad to have spent this time with you you've heard it now it's time for you to go live on purpose.